happens to keep talking. Faith looks up to thee, we'll have our opening prayer. My Thankful to be gathered together in the name of your Son. 
We're thankful for the, the love that you've had for us since before the beginning of the time, that your, uh, your plan, as it was laid out in the prophecies through the Old Testament and everything, was to send your son to die on our behalf, to die for our sins, to wash them away, so we could uh, be with you forever. Father, we're thankful for your mercy, which, uh, which allows that. Father, we're thankful for uh, this blessing each and every day. We don't know all we do without it. We ask you to be uh, with the, uh, each one of us as we uh, spread that good news. We share that with our, with our families, as we share it with the neighbors, as we share it with our, the world around us. Father, we, uh, we ask for your blessings on this congregation. Yes. We ask for uh, peace. We ask for wisdom. We ask for love. Uh, we ask for that you continue to bless us with servants that, uh, that contribute in whichever way that they've been gifted to do. Father, we ask that, that those loving hearts continue to grow your church. That's how I got here today from 2,000 years ago, way over there. Father, we ask that you continue to bless us in that way. We ask for blessings on, uh, for peace in the world. We ask for blessings of peace in, uh, in the Ukraine. That, uh, that we ask for safety for the people. Uh, we ask for diplomacy to play out. Things can uh, settle down and uh, everyone can lead orderly and godly lives and depend on tomorrow. Father, we ask for uh, wisdom and leadership, whether it's our own leadership here in this nation or the, the leadership of the, the UN or NATO or the EU or Russia, Ukraine, China, Taiwan, wherever that is. We ask for that wisdom. We ask for that uh, then they look towards you, look towards your will. Father, we ask for your blessings amongst us, uh, amongst us here. We ask for your blessings on Rita, that her leg continues to heal, that the, that the surgery works out, that it knits together, and she can, uh, she can walk again. Father, we, um, we ask for your blessings on our, our missionaries, those who uh, spread the, the gospel, in Zimbabwe, Nicaragua, the prisons, Mali. We ask that you continue the, that we, that you continue to bless the work that's being done at, at Mount Dora and East Orange, that that word continues to get out and touch lives. Father, we ask for your blessing on each one of us as we go forth in your son's name. In his name we pray, amen. Amen. Prepare our minds to the Lord's Supper. We'll sing Ivory Palaces. <clears throat> My Lord has
We take this time now to remember the ultimate sacrifice that Christ made for us to take away our sins and give us the opportunity to, to be in heaven with him one day. I think it's, it's very difficult to think about sometimes the anguish that he went through and I mean, even the prayer that he made in the garden before. And that's not even what he had in, to endure on the cross itself. If you would bow with me as we pray for the bread. Lord, we thank you for everything. We thank you for the, the sacrifice that you made. For the body that was broken on our behalf. Lord, we know with, with that sacrifice that our sins are, are taken away, Lord. Please help us to focus on that fact and, and definitely be thankful for it. Amen. Would you bow with me again? Lord, for the, at this time we pray for the fruit of the vine that represents the blood that was shed on the cross, Lord. And with that blood, our sins are taken away. Lord, again, we thank you for that, that great sacrifice that you made. It's in your son's name. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for the many gifts you have given us in our lives, and we may we give you back a portion of those gifts to use for the upbuilding of your kingdom. Christ's name, Amen. First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, and always bounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And Children's Church, available for second grade and younger. If you're able, Please stand. It's one of those, if I started too high, I get in trouble. So I want everybody standing up so they can help me hit the high notes. <clears throat> there is beyond the azure blue, a Oh, 
So you might agree with it, you might not. But I think it's so important, so crucial. And I think, I know for me, when I saw this, it was life changing. It changed the way I looked at the world. It changed the way I looked at my relationship with Jesus Christ. It changed the way I looked at the battle. The battle over my soul and my part in that. That's what we're talking about today. Now, where we start is where we're going to end just like a, a lot of really good movies, right? I'm going to give you the end and then we're going to go through a whole bunch of other stuff and then I'm going to come back. Okay? So, Ephesians 6. And I want to point out a couple different things at different times. So, my, my, what I've underlined in this moment, I want you to pay attention to now. And then when we come back, there'll be some different stuff underlined. But Ephesians 6, starting verse 10, says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand firm. What are we standing firm in? What do you stand firm in? When the devil comes at you with his schemes, when the cosmic forces, right, when the spiritual 
forces of evil in the heavenly realms come after you. Do you even believe that happens? Every day. You know what's on Satan's mind every day? How can he rip you away from Jesus? Every day. And he's not the only one thinking about it because he's not the only evil spirit out there. He's not the only thing that's spiritual and that is evil out there. No, there is a whole army. It's out there trying to rip you away from Jesus, make you fall, make you lose your faith, make you walk away. So I want you to see today, this is not a concept that Paul only talks about in Ephesians. In fact, in many of his letters, he says this exact thing, stand firm. So what do we stand firm in? In this spiritual battle, what do we stand firm in? Well, let's start there. 1 Corinthians 15, we have to start with the basic. We have to start with the basic. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 1. Now, I would remind you, brothers of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. You have no standing with God without the gospel. None of us in this room have any standing with God without the gospel. In fact, if you have any standing at all, it's wrath. It's consequence. It's the guilt of your sin without the gospel. It's the fact that you missed the mark. You're not perfect. And you're not worthy. You see that? Now, how many times in your life have you thought those things about yourself? How many times have you said in your life, I'm not worthy? How many times have you made a sin where you felt like, that's it, that's the one. There's no way I can be redeemed after that one. There's no way I can come back. Why would God even want me after what he knows I've done. Yeah, he did die to save us. And he died to save us because we couldn't save ourselves. See, that's the very beginning of the gospel. Why did Jesus come? What did Doug just pray? It was predestined. Right? When we get into Ephesians chapter 1 tonight, that's exactly what Ephesians chapter 1 is about. How the whole plan was written before one moment ever happened. God knew he was going to send his son to die for you before you ever sinned, knowing that you were going to sin. And some of your sin was not going to be very good at all. Some of your sin was going to be terrible. Some of your sin was going to make you realize how unworthy you truly are of the calling of Jesus Christ to perfection. Right? So when Satan, when evil puts these things in your mind, look, I'm just being honest with you. And you start to feel those, those, those ways where you're like, I just, don't, I just don't know. Like, am I wasting my time going to church anymore? Because, man, I just don't know if God will forgive me for that. He already has. That's how I stand firm in the gospel. He already has forgiven you for those things. He did before 
before the world was created. Right? The plan was already in place before the world was created. Before you ever sinned once. So we stand firm in the gospel. Don't doubt Jesus. We spend plenty of time doubting ourselves. And you know what? It's not bad to doubt yourself every now and then. It's not bad to question yourself every now and then. It's not bad to test and see if your desires are really from God or if they're really about you. Because Lord knows that we, as a people, have been about ourselves for quite a long time. In fact, that's been the problem of humanity pretty much since the beginning, right? But don't doubt God. Because he already knew everything you were ever going to do and he still went to the cross just for you. So stand firm in the gospel. You know, there's another side of this coin too. The world, since Jesus came, died, was buried, and then rose, has been trying to make you doubt that too. That the gospel is not even real. That this Bible that somehow was written, some of the pages were written seven, 7,000 years ago. Somehow still remains relevant, but it's, it's just really good writing. It's, I mean, it's a little bit better than Shakespeare, that's all. Don't doubt the gospel. Don't doubt Jesus. Stand firm. All right, how about this one? 1 Corinthians 16, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. I love this part. I don't know, I don't know, if, uh, I don't know if this scripture is, uh, is um, um, as appropriate in our culture these days, but I like it. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. You know, I'm going to tell you something. The world will tell you a very different picture, will paint a very different picture of what it means to be a man than what God paints. You know, a man, everything he does should be done out of love. How manly does that sound? But it says be watchful. Why? Because... There are going to be all kinds of challenges. There's going to be all kinds of things that creep in even to our church, even to this body, right? There are going to be all kinds of challenges that come our way. And we need to be watchful of those things. We need to be mindful of those things. Sometimes you're the problem. Sometimes I'm the problem. Sometimes we're all the problem, right? So we need to be watchful not only of what is going on around us, but what's going on inside of us. Okay? Your faith is, is encouraged. Don't get me wrong. It is encouraged by everybody in this congregation, but it's also your faith. So when it says stand firm in the faith, I, w I, want, I, want, to, I, want, I want everybody to understand this. Hebrews 11.1. 1. I've, been, I've been saying this for years now because I hope when I say Hebrews 11.1, 1, some of you are already going, definition of faith. 
Right? Hebrews 11.1, 1, definition of faith. Being sure of what we hope for and certain of things we do not see. Right? That's faith. But you've got to add James. Right? Because James says faith without works is what? Dead. Which means what? It's not just something that happens here. Faith is not something that just happens in your mind. Faith is not what sets apart you from your belief. Faith is something that leads you to action, right? When Abraham sacrificed Isaac or was willing to sacrifice Isaac, right? It wasn't the action alone that was considered and credited to him as righteousness. It was his belief in God. Think about this. God asked him to do something crazy, in his mind, right? If God came to you today and said, you know, you've done a really good job following me and, and I think you're kind of one of the best people in the whole world, but you know what I'd really like for you to do to really prove your devotion to me? Kill your son. You wouldn't think, what? Didn't see that coming. Right? Kill your son. So what drove Abraham up the mountain? What even allowed Abraham to take the first step away from his home with his son, knowing that he's going to sacrifice him? How could you even do that? How could you even get to that point? Because Abraham knew how good God was. Abraham knew that God was the truth. And even though we're in this sticky situation that I can't fully understand and can't fully explain, Abraham knew that God's will was going to be done. And Hebrews actually says, the Hebrew writer actually says that Abraham believed that even if God allowed him to kill his son, that God would raise his son from the dead. You know why that's so impressive? Because 2,000 years later, I mean not 2,000 years later, thousands of years later, when Jesus arrives on the scene, they're still arguing about resurrection. Abraham believed it all the way back then. So when we say stand firm in our faith, it's not just a belief system. It's not just a conviction in the things that we cannot see. It's not just part of our hope that we stand in. But it's also our actions. The world has been beating us up for a very long time because of the life we live based on the belief that we have in Jesus Christ. If you have never felt persecution for Jesus Christ, in my opinion, you haven't really stepped out. Because even in America where everybody has freedom of thought and freedom of choice and probably the closest thing to real freedom in the whole world, There's still persecution. So stand firm in your faith. And you know what? If your faith, if you ever question if your faith is leading you in the wrong direction, finish that out. Do everything out of love. If it's not from love, if it's not from the love in your heart, your love for God and your love for others, it's probably not faith. So Romans 5, Paul finishes up 
that thought, really, in my opinion. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom, <coughs> excuse me, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You see, this is where the mature Christian changes. This is where a Christian goes from immature to mature, in my opinion. Okay? It's easy to, have, it's easy to understand the gospel, right? It's easy to understand faith. Like, I believe in God, so therefore I must live for God, right? It's hard to understand grace. Why? Because you, in your best day, in your best moment, can never be as gracious as God is going to be to you. You can't. On your best day, in your best moment, you will never understand God's grace. So what is grace? Grace is getting something you don't deserve. That's why it's hard to stand firm in it. It's easy to stand firm once you've earned something, right? It's hard to stand firm in something that was just given to you. So we've been justified by faith. That's why we've got to stand firm in it, right? And because of our faith, because of our faith, but really because of what Jesus has done, and we've accepted through our faith what Jesus has done for us, we have peace with God. When did you get peace with God? When did you get peace with God? Well, from God's side of things, actually before the beginning of time, before anybody sinned, right? It came to culmination, it came to fruition, if you will, in our time schedule when Jesus died on the cross, right? But when did you get peace with God? When have you received peace from God? Real peace in your life. This is why I say immature versus the mature. I can't really ever fully get peace with God if I haven't fully accepted his grace. Listen, I can strive for perfection, and I do strive for perfection. And I pray that you strive for perfection. But I also, under, I pray that you understand that grace covers your sin. It covers it. It's not a question anymore. It's not something that God is, is sitting up there making tallies, holding against you anymore. It covers your sin. But it's hard to stand in it. It's hard to stand in it. You know why? Because nobody is as consistent as God. And life comes in seasons. And you have good seasons and you have bad seasons, right? You see it in the world every single year, right? What's your favorite season? You got one. Everybody's got one. What's your least favorite season? Everybody's got one of those too, don't they? Some people say summer. 
I say, if you don't like summer, you're in the wrong state. Some people say winter. I say, if you like winter, definitely in the wrong state. The people who say winter are weird, though. Let's be honest, right? Everything's dying. Gets sad. If you've ever lived up north, you don't even see the sun. There's just gray clouds. It's depressing. But life has those moments too. We have our summers. We have our winters. We have our brightness. We have our moments where things are blossoming and things are growing and everything feels great and it's your favorite. And we also have times of winter where everything is dying. It's cold. And it's dark. It doesn't feel like the sun's shining. In those moments, stand in grace. Don't go back to those lies where you're unworthy. Don't go back to those lies where you feel like, I just, I don't even know if I can come here anymore. I don't even, I don't even know if I can be part of the body. I don't even know. Listen, I can promise you this. I don't care how hard you try. I don't care how much you do. I don't care how much sleep you sacrifice. Right? I don't care how long you work. Right? I don't care how loyal you are to people. I don't care how compassionate you are to people. I don't care how much love flows out of you. You're never going to be good enough for everybody. you're always going to be good enough for God. That's what standing in grace is. Which brings me to this point. Can't ignore it. Philippians 1, verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side. We've got to stand firm in unity. Listen, you go into battle and you can't trust the person beside you, you're in trouble. And we're in a battle every day. And this right here, this body right here, these people that you see around you right now, these are the people that God has put beside you in your line to hold. This is the line we hold together. Do we come to church ever thinking of that? Do we ever put life in this perspective? Because it's the truth. I have to trust you to guard me where I can't guard myself. You have to trust me to be there when you can't defend yourself. We have to be there for each other. You know what? Every now and then an arrow is going to get through. Every now and then someone's going to receive damage. We've got to heal each other too. But we have to be one. And the only way to be one is if we're all following Jesus. 
Church is not about following each other. The church is about following Jesus. There are many shepherds in the church, but there's only one good shepherd. We are all called to be priests, but only one's a high priest. Only one's the one that goes before us for the Lord. That's Jesus Christ. Which is why I end with this, Philippians 4.1. I end this part with this. Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord. That's what we stand firm in. Not ourselves. Not what we've become. Not what we've created. Not what we've made. Not who we are. Not our reputation. We stand firm in the Lord. And we trust in Him and His great might. Okay? I wanted to throw this one in real quick. I don't want to spend too much time explaining it, but I want to make sure you understand that the traditions he's talking about in this scripture are not man-made traditions. These are the traditions of the New, the, 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 the New Testament church argued a lot about old covenant traditions and new covenant traditions. Okay? They argued about the way old covenant culture was versus this new covenant culture. Don't forget at one point in time, it was God's people and it was one nation. It was a chosen race. Now that one nation, that holy nation, that chosen race is everybody. You ever feel new culture come into our church? Boy, it's easy not to like it, isn't it? It's not what you're used to. It's not what you're comfortable with. Right? He's not talking about your traditions that are made by men. He's talking about your traditions from God. Hold firm to the traditions. How about this tradition? That God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for your sin because you could not get your sin out of your life. You could never attain perfection. So God sent his son. And by the way, to remember that, take the Lord's Supper. How about that for a tradition? Okay? So, we're going to go back to the beginning, which means we're almost done. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Because make no mistake about it, the devil is scheming. He's not done scheming. He will not be done scheming until he is thrown in the lake of fire that is talked about by Jesus and in Revelation. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Listen, the authorities. I want to be really clear. The authorities that he's talking about here, he's talking about in a spiritual realm. But I want to be very clear that there are times in the world where Christians have to stand up against physical authorities too. If our authorities are pulling us away from the culture of Christ, then we must stand for it. That's why we have history of martyrs. I'm not trying to be super radical here. I just want to explain to you that this is not just spiritual. At times it is physical. At times my faith turns into action. And if the authority in your life is telling you to do something that God would never ask you to do or actually wouldn't want you to do, then you've got to stand up against that. That happens too. 
against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. He says it twice. He wants you to understand it before he really explains it to you, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Now, people will say to you that this scripture is only talking about New Testament times, like when the Bible's being printed, right? Like, <clears throat> excuse me, when the apostles are there on earth, when... There's, they're receiving this heavy persecution, but also having this enormous, enormous power of the Holy Spirit. I don't ever read the Bible that way. I'm just going to be honest with you. And I think every single word in this book was also written, not just for the people that it was written to based on the letter's address, but it was written to me. And there's going to be a day of evil in my life. There's going to be a season of sin in my life. There's going to be these moments where I fall short in my life. But if I have the armor of God on, I can stand. And if you felt yourself fall away, I want you to know you can put the armor back on. And you can get back in the fight. Notice the similarities in the armor and the things we just talked about being standing firm in. Right? Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So I got three points, and I'm done. Stand firm in the Word of God. Stand firm in the Gospel. Stand firm in faith. Stand firm in grace. Stand firm in hope. Stand firm in one Spirit. And stand firm in the Lord. Right? Why do I say that? What is this grand epiphany, Matt, that you had? I haven't heard it yet. It's this. First of all, Isaiah 46, I wanted to throw this in real quick. And the reason why is because I want you to see something in the Old Testament that's saying exactly what I'm saying now. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of the old. Look, we're all transgressors. I know that hurts to read it every time, but we are all transgressors, right? Remember the former things of the old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. You see, once I understand that no matter what happens in this world, no matter how crazy my life feels, that the will of God will be done. That takes a lot of the crazy away. You know why? Because that takes a lot of the burden off of me. Right? So then what's my purpose? What, is, what, what am I trying to accomplish? You know, I, I don't know about you, but I have a kind of aggressive personality. I'm very competitive. And I want to do be my best. And if I can, I want to be the best. It's part of my personality. I'm driven. So 
So when I think of spiritual warfare, I think, how can I advance? Right? That's been my life for a long time. How can I advance? Like, he's given me the sword. How can I advance? And then it hit me. I'm not supposed to advance. I'm just supposed to stand firm. I'm just supposed to stand firm. See, here's the truth. What am I standing firm in? The space that God, God has given me. What is that foundation? What does that soil look like that I'm standing in? All the stuff we just talked about. It's not my job to pursue other things. In fact, if I pursue other things, what do I lose? I lose the spot that God gave me to stand in. Right? That's exactly what Satan is trying to do. He's trying to lure you away from that spot. He's trying to get you out of that spot of security, of rest, of peace. What happens when you sin in your life? What happens when you give up a little bit of that space? What happens when you move in the wrong direction? What happens? Do you have rest in those moments? Do you have peace in those moments? No, it's stolen. You have no peace. You have unrest. Because guilt and shame lead to sleepless nights. They lead to worry. So all I got to do, look, when I realize that if I just stand firm in the Lord, it's all already coming to me, why would I ever leave? Why would I ever leave? Why do I worry about what tomorrow is going to bring for me if I know God's will is going to be accomplished in my life and everything he created me for will be accomplished in my life if I just stand firm and rest in him? Why would I leave? And I'm telling you, some of you, some of you need rest. Some of you need peace. And the reason why you're not finding it is because you haven't given that to the Lord to make possible for you in your life. You're searching for the answer when you're already standing on it. And last but not least, this is the scripture that was read this morning. I just want you to see It says the same thing. Be immovable. That doesn't mean change. That doesn't mean don't grow. That means don't let anybody put you off the rock and back into the sand. That's what it means. You're already on the firmest ground. You're already on the best foundation. You already have the best of life. Don't be fooled and give up your space. So when we stand firm, we've got to stand together. The old saying always rings true, and it's as true today as it ever has been in all of the world and all the history of time. Divided we are weak, united we are strong. Divided we are few, united we are many. Divided we are isolated and powerless, united we can accomplish everything God is asking for us to do in our lifetimes in this space.
So have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because the truth is, there is no redemption without it. There is no forgiveness of sins without the blood of Christ. There is nothing to stand on, and you have nothing to stand on, unless Jesus has given you something to stand on. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in the blood? Had your sins removed from you? Been given the gift of the Holy Spirit? You know, there's something special here in, this, in that scripture I just read about the Holy Spirit. I believe that the Holy Spirit gives us an opportunity to unite in times where if we didn't have it, we wouldn't. I don't know about you, but the more mature I get, the more gracious I am to people in the church. That's a hard thing, though. Because when people in the church hurt you and you're young, it hurts worse than when people in the world do. You know that? But the older you get, the more mature you get, the more you understand that it doesn't... This is the devil. This isn't your brother or your sister in Christ. This is the devil creating separation between you. Why? Because if he can create separation between you, he can stop what you're doing. If he doesn't, you're powerful. So don't look at your brother or sister with animosity. See where it comes from. Because what he wants us is a house divided. Why? Because a house divided against itself cannot. See how it all comes full circle? So have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And for those of us who have, are we standing firm? Are we standing firm? Are we protecting the space that God has given us? And are we standing together? So if there's a need to respond to the invitation today, I pray that you don't hesitate. If there's a relationship that needs to be mended, I pray that you don't hesitate. If there is something in your life that you have uh, given away your space that you're supposed to stand firm in, I pray that you repent of that and you don't hesitate. Because if you do, you can't heal. And we can't heal one another. So if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if there's any reason to respond to the invitation, you can come as together we stand and sing.
Thank you, Matt. We appreciate each of you being here this morning, whether you're here in the building or whether you're joining us online. We are very glad you're here. We pray that you've been uplifted and encouraged. Have some announcements before we close. There will be a work party next Saturday, that's March 12th, beginning about 8 a.m. We'll be cleaning up the outside areas around the building. Please bring your yard tools and help get our church grounds looking good. Uh, re refreshments will be provided. If you have questions about that, please see Chris Doris. Uh, we need someone who can pick up bread for the food pantry this Wednesday morning between 7 and 9 a.m. If you can help with that, please see Sue Shoemate. She has some further details. Have an update on several of our sick. Uh, Bertha Sands is not feeling well and not able to be with us this morning. Uh, William told me he is seeing a little better, so please continue to pray for him. Also, please keep praying for Rita Smith as she recovers from her surgery. Uh, just before we started, we got word that Jean Eggie is in a lot of discomfort and having difficulty swallowing. Nancy and he asked for your prayers. Uh, please keep Gene in your prayers. We also just heard that uh, Jeff Robison, the preacher up at Mary Camp Road, where uh, Jason Fitzgerald attends, many of you have connections there. Uh, Jeff was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, it's very serious. He's going to be transferred to Orlando and begin chemo very soon. Uh, they have all asked for your prayers for Jeff. Thank you. Let's sing Jesus, Rosa Sharon, and be led in our closing prayer. Jesus, Rosa Sharon.
Bow with me, please. Dear Lord, our dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for another day that You've allowed us to come and give praise and glory to You and worship You. We just thank You, Father, for all the things You've done for us and all the gifts we've received. We pray, Father, that, that You'd be with us as, as we leave today, that, that we would remember each day that we are Your servants and You are our leader. Father, one of the brethren here last week spoke that we are home and we are home when we are with you. Father, I pray it should keep, be with those that are in the bulletin today, Father, and that need your help, and need your guidance, and need your love. Touch them, Father, as only you know how. We ask, Father, that you'd be with each of us now as we go about our ways and help us each day to be your servant. We ask you these things, Father, and give you the praise, thanks, and glory in your Son, Jesus Christ, most precious heavenly name. Amen.